Welcome to the Wake Up Call podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Hopkins. By day I work in corporate, but I have an obsession with all things personal development. So I became a life coach and started this podcast as a way to help others break free from living a life that's good on the outside and wake up to the one they actually want. When I got to my most uncertain place, all I wanted was someone to say, hey Alicia, you're a little off course and this is what you need to do. That's what I wanna be for you. This podcast is a place where I want to share my experiences and provide you with community, knowledge, and inspiration to make change in your life. Sometimes we get a little lost and need help course correcting. If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Let this be your wake up call. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up Call podcast. And we are gonna jump into all things energy, energy healing in this episode. So you may have heard of things like Reiki, chakras, energy vibrations, or maybe you're thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about right now, Alicia. But in this episode, I really encourage you to stick around, even if you don't consider yourself, you know, quote unquote, woo woo. I think it's important when it comes to processing things like our feelings, our emotions, you know, how to cope with anxiety. It's really important to explore all options. I know for me, I've recently started dipping my toe in Reiki. I know I've been a big fan of acupuncture and I'm experiencing, quite honestly, real results. Um, They've helped me feel better balanced. It has helped my anxiety. I've been able to help, you know, lots of different things. And I'm here to tell you, I'm still a student in this. I don't fully understand it all. But what I do know is I'm noticing an impact on my overall wellness. So I really encourage you, like I said, even if you don't consider yourself woo woo, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of a little bit buttoned up, but also really dipping my toe in some of this stuff. My guest today is Dana Childs. She is an intuitive energy healer. She's an author, a teacher, and a favorite of Gwyneth Paltrow's company, Goop. She is going to help us break down this concept of energy in our body and the impacts it can have, you know, on our wellness. How do we release energy that's stored? So we really cover a lot of ground in this interview, and we've broken it up into two parts. So you're about to hear part one, and I'd like you to kind of think about it as like an introduction to energy. What is energy healing? Why do we need to understand this and, you know, the role it plays in our body? And then next week, we'll dig into some more topics. So I really hope that this week's episode opens you up to, you know, different perspectives or viewpoints that may have you curious, you know, of how you can implement this into your life so you can start to experience some of the benefits of it too. So I'm excited to jump into this episode. Here we go. Part one, my interview with Dana Childs. Dana, with that said, can you even just like, 10,000 foot overview, right? You are an energy healer. Like, what does that mean for someone that has never maybe had an association of energy in their body? Tell me all things energy in your body. Yeah. So, so I'll just kind of preface that by saying the term energy healer has always bothered me, but I didn't know what else to call myself because I don't think I'm healing something that's broken or unfixed. It's more of like holding that space for a person to realize they're whole already. They don't need to be healed, right? So so when I look at energy healing, I look at it like bringing together the whole picture holistically. So what are the emotions? What is the physical stuff? What is the mental stuff? And pulling all of that together to say, okay, now how is our energetic world connected to and sort of impacting our you know, our endocrine system, our systems, our digestive system, 
our um, mental system, our thoughts, our everything's so linked. And so it's finding those little pieces and tidbits um, to what's kind of not right. And, and I, it's so hard to to explain, you know, some people like to break it down by chakras, which are basically just centers of energy in the body. And we have the traditional system is like the seven chakra system um, that you'll, you'll see referenced a lot in the Hindu system. I tend to work with the 12 chakra system that was devised by Cindy Dale, because there's in body, the seven, and then out of body, the five. And these centers, while we look at them when we're talking about energy, sort of individual, like for example, your second chakra, that's the place of creativity and the place of one-on-one -on -one intimacy. And that's down in the water organ. So it's kind of below the belly button, right? And in that lower abdominal place, it takes up your organs, your intestines, your water organs, like your bladder, your kidneys. And that's the place where we do female jealousy and competition, right? We do war, but we also do love, sex, power, all these things sit in that space. And so if I go, okay, if I'm looking at someone and they say, I don't know why, but all women get jealous of me, right? Then, then, then I go, okay, well, let's look at your second chakra and see what's going on there. You know, what does your creativity look like? What are you creating? What are you putting out? And so we can hone in on that like emotional space based on that specific chakra or energy system, but really they all work together as a whole. You know, how is your relationship to other women impacting your heart? And how does that then impact your view of yourself, which is your third chakra? And how does that impact how you see your future happening? So it all works together. So it's finding those little places where one thing is related to the other and sort of pulling up until we get to the root of it, then it gets pulled out. It's almost like I'm trained to look at something and see what's wrong and see what's out of place. So, and I'm trying to hear it that way too. So if someone tells me something, I'm not hearing exactly the words they're saying. I'm hearing what's not spoken, what's really going on, what's underneath to hone in on that. Um, and for example, let's say, the other day I was working with a client and she was talking about an eating disorder and she had done all kinds of mental work and therapy to this eating disorder. And when I looked at it, it wasn't actually about her needing to do more therapy with her eating disorder. I'm a fan of therapy, don't get me wrong, but her brain was stuck in a pattern. So she needed an actual brain retraining program. And so it was just seeing like what's not working. It wasn't her thought process any, you know, any longer. It wasn't like her thoughts. It was actually her limbic system was malfunctioning that was putting her in a place where she would feel triggered. So it's just seeing sort of those things that are off. And this is the stuff I said to Dana before I hit record. I'm like, I geek out on this stuff so bad that it's like, I almost forget that we're doing a podcast because I'm like, my brain is going in a million directions. But what I'm hearing is, or what I think I'm hearing. So there's an element of kind of decoding like an emotional, I'll call it maybe symptom for lack of better, like the emotional, whatever's present. But then you're also tying it to, you're getting to a root cause, which I love. Yeah, and yeah. And like where that sits. So I had another client um, yesterday who was talking about a relationship. She's like, I just feel like my life is stagnant. It's not doing anything. I'm really unhappy and I don't know what to do. And, and I said, okay, let's talk about your relationship. Cause I could feel that's the area where things feel stuck. And as she started talking about that, 
It's a man who, for lack of a better way to say it, had been over the past year and a half, maybe two years, trying to back out and away from the relationship where she was trying to hang on. And so as soon as she started talking about the relationship and she's like, I'm a little unsure he, and I was like, yeah, no, he's done. You don't want to be done. That's why you're stuck is because you're afraid to let go. And then we had to look at her security issues, like lifestyle and financial. And that traced way back to her, you know, young years at 13 when her father lost his job. And so that, that was actually the reason she was staying in this relationship, but she didn't know to say that. It's like, I would hear ask her about 13 years old and what happened. And then that's what came up for her. And so once you find those mental pieces and you pull it together, the energy system can like release what it's been holding because I'll say it this way. Our energy system is not something we're fully conscious of in our modern day society, most of us. And so when we're young, we're disempowered, right? Where things are happening to us and we can't do anything about it. We're moving or our parent lost our job or our parents are getting divorced or our teacher was mean to us, right? Whatever. The kids pushed us on the playground. And so we're so disempowered that our energy system sort of logs that somewhere in our cellular body. And it goes, okay, this is a moment of real anger, but I can't express that because my parents will get mad at me. So I'm just going to hold that. And so then our energy system's looking to heal, looking to heal, looking to heal. So in our adult life, we'll pull a situation to us that creates a similar feeling. And then we can actually express that anger appropriately, empowered, in a way empowered. And then that almost Velcros out that old feeling and flushes it all out at once. Right. I'm wrapping my brain as I'm processing and wanting to ask a question that might be beneficial for someone. So Right. I've done, I think of recent, a lot of unpacking of like, I relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I think historically I've always gone to kind of like the psychological component of like understanding how like our brain produces thoughts or this or that or patterning, but the energetic part is still a little bit where I like, it's like, I get it, but I don't. So think of it this way. We know what information is, right? Mm -hmm. It's just data. Information is data. And we can see a lot of our data and we can hear a lot of our data. Like, oh, we have um, a phone. We know this is a phone and we know we can call this number. We know someone could call us on this number. But also data, as far as being seen, it can also be unseen. And so it's just these packets of, of information that are floating about. And if we have the inclination to use our six senses, right, these six sense, then we can grab that packet of information without having to see it. It's like we know it, we feel it, or we have a knowing. So think about, you know, we have caller ID and when it pops up, then we go, oh, okay, Jane Doe is calling me. But when our phone's across the room and it's ringing, oftentimes you might go, oh, that, I bet that's so-and-so. And you know it before you see the caller ID. That's energy. When you walk into a room and there's just been a, like a bad argument or like some tension, right? And the argument's not going on anymore, but you walk in and you feel that like, I just know there's been something uncomfortable here. I know there's an uncomfortable dynamic going on. That's energy. When you are talking to a person and you feel like you have to convince them of something, you're feeling their energy of being hesitant. So everything we do in every moment is energy all the time. We're acting, reacting, people who are in sales and doing sales jobs, 
It's all energy. You're reading that person. You're reading where they are. Do you have them? Do you not? Are they going to buy? Are they going to not? What are they really needing to hear? It's all energy. It's just the unheard, unseen parts that we know to sense or to lean into. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. And what I think also is coming to play is I think about how much in our society, we want the black of the white and, and it's, 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 it's eliminating or, or ignoring this other, like the energy component, which like, as I baby steps start embracing this in my life, it's wild. Like the truth that is found there yet. It's like woo woo or weird or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think traditionally people view it that way. Right. And we're such a physical, tangible based society that if we don't see it, we don't believe it. Yeah. You know? And so then it's like, okay, but how can I trust that? It's when you meet a person and you get like a gut sense, like not a good person or like, oh my God, I love this person, right? You just have a gut sense about them. That's your reading energy. You're also responding, right? Our body, we're energy. All of us are energy. We're just, we vibrate a little slower, which is why we have dense physical bodies. It's all energy. It's just moving really, really slow. Right. It appears physical. They're all atoms that can be split apart. So this is something again, a little bit newer, but like understanding different emotions have different like vibrations, frequencies. So what are the impacts of say, like, if I remember correctly, I know things like, uh, guilt or shame, right? Like those are vibrationally lower. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah. Yep. And they, um, they vibrate sort of, you know, we're, if we look at the spectrum, right. And they vibrate lower. They're, they're sort of heavier. Think of it like colors. We don't go, Oh my God, purple's a bad color. Or we don't go red's a bad color because it has a low frequency or wavelength. It's just a frequency. And so when we're looking at emotions, they hit these different frequencies that make us feel lower, slower, softer, more delicate, more vulnerable. Um, But it doesn't mean they're bad because they're a different frequency. It just means they're that frequency and they're a part of being human. When we agree to be human, we come into this human body, we're agreeing to, to feel. We're agreeing to have emotions. And when we lock that down and we don't have our feelings, then we're creating a very stagnant energy system that's not flowing. And and I don't mean like, yes, it's okay to be histrionic and go nuts, right? Uh, Right. We have to learn emotional containment and emotional appropriateness and all of that. But to feel your feelings, because I feel like um, you shouldn't be sad. Don't be sad. I don't know about you, but I heard that a lot growing up, like no time for tears. Don't cry. Suck it up. Keep going. Put your big girl panties on all those phrases. And it actually took away the ability to feel the emotions. And if we think about it, when we're in touch with our deepest, truest emotions, that is our truth. When we, you know, and when we can lean into, wow, I feel really negative and bad about myself when I'm around this person, then our body's just saying like, this just isn't a good fit. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with that person, just doesn't harmonize. And so if we can think about emotions like colors, we don't make colors wrong for vibrating at a different frequency. We just may have favorite colors, just like we may have favorite feelings, but it doesn't mean it's okay to ignore all the rest of them. So I'm curious then, I know now looking back, I see a lot of patterns that played out in my life that 
ultimately led to this realization that I've actually been leading kind of like a very disempowered, uh, I don't know, stance in my life because people pleasing perfectionism, right? All these things. And so many people struggle with that. And I came to a point where all of this was bottled up for a really long time. I mean, we're talking probably 30 five-ish years of my existence. And then my anxiety was horrendous. So that ended up being like the representation, the manifestation, I guess, right, of everything that was bottled up. I mean, is that what you typically see? Yeah, Yeah, I do. Well, and I see that sometimes people, they don't know who they are and they kind of get disconnected and sort of shifted away from their life force energy, that vital part of who they are. They don't know who they are because they've totally disconnected from their feelings. And then they also can't intimately connect with another person because they don't know how to empathically do feelings and share that space. And so I, let's talk about anxiety for a second, right? And, and let's talk about emotions. So let me lead into this with emotions. Um, I, you know, like I said, came from a family, which I think a lot of us did, where it wasn't okay to have feelings, you know, suck it up, buttercup, keep going kind of thing. And so by the time I was in my mid-20s, I was engaged to a person who was, had been my best friend in college. He's still a dear friend and I adore him. And I knew that I didn't want to marry him, but I didn't understand why. I just felt so messed up in my own head. And so I put myself in therapy for the first time. And I started talking and she would, I would tell her something about my childhood or something that had happened. And she would say, oh, well, how did that make you feel? And I would say, I really have no idea what you mean. And she had to walk me through what physiological responses in the body correlated to what emotion. And that's how I learned feelings. I did not know that anger was different than sadness was different than excitement was like, I just, I just, I didn't, I didn't do them. I didn't do feelings. And when we're not doing all the depth of feelings, we're not doing the highs, you know, the highs of bliss and joy and ecstasy either. And so learning my feelings, which is interesting because now it's like the basis of what I do, which is so fascinating. But so then in my mid twenties, right, I started unwinding, oh my God, I have feelings. And then what that showed me was that I was born very, very sensitive and very, very empathic. And so what the chakras that we talked about, right? These energy centers that are reading this invisible information. When we're young, we're really open. And so all of this information is coming in and we're getting bombarded and then often not supported with what we know is true. So when we can feel at five years old that our mom is really sad and and we're like, mom, are you okay? And she says, I'm fine, I'm fine. We go, okay, then I'm not trusting myself to be picking up on what's right here. I must be wrong because we trust our parent. And so then we step out of our emotional knowledge and we leave that behind, right? So if we're parents raising children, to be really honest with our kids about, I feel really sad right now. You know, I will be okay, but right now I feel sad. Right now I feel mad. When we're reading sad books or watching sad movies, we allow ourselves to feel it and show that to our kids that we can have these feelings and, and traverse through them is really important. So when we start picking up all this information energy from other people that may not be doing their feelings, right? What happens is our system is overwhelmed with their feelings and we don't know it because we're not aware like this energy doesn't belong to me. We think whatever we feel must be ours. 
So then we're not aware, then that creates all kinds of anxieties in the body. And so when I'm looking at people and working with people who have anxiety, I look at how empathic are you? How aware of your empathy, your ability to feel other people's emotions as well as physical symptoms, how aware of that are you? And, and who are you around that's not doing their emotions that you think you need to do them? And how are you picking up on what's happening in society or in the world around you? Or how are you picking up on how everybody feels in the grocery store? You know, is, it, is that why you're anxious is that you just need energetic boundaries? Or are you, do you really have a brain wave and a brain function that tends you toward anxiety that needs to be looked at and treated appropriately? Because I think a lot of times we're so quick to diagnose anxiety as, oh my God, I need a medication, something's wrong with me, instead of my body's working overtime because not everybody's being responsible for what they feel. Oh, I just like let out the biggest sigh because it's like, I am like, yep. That I feel like you just like looked into my soul and just described me. So I'm curious though, too, of lately, like I've been drawn into like exploration around empath or a highly sensitive person. But then what about someone who doesn't relate to maybe like the empathic qualities or like someone who's not sensitive? Like, are they picking up energies too? Or what does that look like? They can, but they, they, they may be aware, but not bothered by it. They may not feel it. It may not have an impact on their energy system. I do think most of us are actually born empathic. I think we're biologically wired that way because of the mirror neurons. And if we look at science, we're wired to connect to people. That's what we're wired for. We're wired to be social. Humans don't live well in isolation. And so we're wired for that social, which means we're wired to connect and we have these mirror neurons and all these other things in our brain and these chemicals that want to connect and share and be and do. So if someone's not empathic or they're not feeling, they could be somewhere on the spectrum, right? Which is can totally be okay. Um, or they, they just may not be dialed into what they are feeling. And then some people can be aware, but it just really doesn't phase them. They're not taking it into their own body highly sensitive people and empaths really pull it into their body and they experience it. For example, I had a friend who was um, a medical intuitive and she could read the room. She was highly sensitive, you know, very sensitive, extreme, but she didn't pull it into her own body, whereas I would. So one day we used to be across from each other in our office space and she had a client that left and I walked into her office to say hello. And I sat down and we talked for a minute and I just went, oh my gosh. And she said, what? And I said, oh my God, my stomach, like I feel bloated and cranky. And I went through listing all these symptoms that had suddenly just come on. And she said, yeah, you're picking up on my last person. That was her, those were her issues. And I was like, oh my God, it's so uncomfortable. So then I just had to like clear and disconnect because I had sat down in the chair she'd sat in. And so it happened that fast. And she had been around her for the whole hour, but never picked it up. She knew what the person was feeling because they told her and she could go into like what the issues were, but she wasn't empathic in the way that it would run through her body like that. And so some of us can be sensitive and we have a knowing and an intuition. And some of us can be empathic to the point where we pull it in. And that's actually a shamanic trait, right? As shamans um, in traditional indigenous societies, they learn to pull in energies into their body to heal that energy and then to give back the healed energy and to let go of the, the yucky stuff. So like the movie, The Green Mile, 
um, the guy who was on death row, who wasn't actually guilty, he would be a, a, like a shaman. That would be a great sort of way to look at that. But, but it's that idea of if we don't learn how to, you know, heal that energy and give it back, which most, most of us don't, right? Let's face it. That's not our life purpose for a lot of us then we're sitting with it and it's in our energy system and it creates anxiety and it creates diseases and things that are off. Now, I do feel like the majority of things that go off in our bodies and, and sort of wrong with us are a lot of times external foreign energies that aren't actually ours. What do you mean? So let's say that you get really ill. Well, it may not be that you're actually ill. It may be that you're picking up on something that your mother, that you would rather save your mother from, but it's totally unconscious. And so as soon as we disconnect you from carrying your mother's energy, then it can just clear in your body. That's so, wild. Yeah. And when we feel off, when we get a headache or a stomach ache, or we just suddenly like we go to the grocery store and we walk out and we feel really emotional and we don't know what happened. It's foreign energy. It's somebody else's energy. Our moods aren't meant to just change like that. And so we know we can identify like that's a quick mood change right there. We know I have stepped into something that doesn't belong to me. And when that happens, you just simply say, okay, I'm just asking for that to clear. Let go of whatever is not mine. Another question I have is say, so say, you know, whatever, I'll just use me as an example, right? Head anxiety, anxiety, it's stored up, it's blocked in my body. Like how do you practice clean energy practices? Or like, what do you do if you're starting to recognize like my energy's not good? What, what do you do? Right. So first thing first is I always say self-awareness is everything. So you want to find time to sit with yourself to know what you're naturally feeling, what the symptoms are that are in your body, what your body's doing. You want to know everything about yourself. Then you can identify like something's coming in or there's a block. And it's really as simple as asking for it to go away, being mindful, just like, I don't want that there. There are lots of visual techniques where you can like close your eyes, you know, or leave them open and visualize a waterfall coming down over you, just washing away in and around and through you, anything that's not yours because imagination and intuition, right? They're like this, wherever our intention goes, energy follows always, right? And so it's to, to really look at those kind of practices where we're so self-aware that we recognize Oof, this, this isn't mine. This isn't, this isn't me. I was going to say, it's just interesting to me of like how much, and I remain to say the word self-care just sounds funny to me, but I, I think connecting to self is what I like taking the time to connect to ourself really seems to be like the basis of so much, because when you're saying like the awareness, like you can't even have the awareness to name what you're experiencing or feeling. If you don't take the time to be with yourself, to even create the awareness. And I think so many of us walk through every day, just so distracted that even understanding how to name the emotion or the sensation you're feeling like it's, it's so foreign because we don't have the space for it. Right. And that, like you just said, a really important thing, half the battle there is naming what it is. As soon as we can name something, we can deal with it. Right. It's like when your body's physically really off, you're desperate to get to the doctor. Why? To get a diagnosis. You want to know what you do then for your body. And, and it's the same with energy, energy and emotions. I just see is really intertwined to me. And so once you can name the emotion, then you know, like, oh, this is grief. For example, I don't know why I'm hearing this example, but let's say moving into a new house. 
So we move into a new house and maybe we're really excited about this move. It's the house we want, right? We move into this house and then we feel irritated. We feel irritable. We feel, you know, just distracted and it's time to clean out our closet. And we're like, I'm just mad about it. I don't want to. And I feel really sad and I don't know why. And then we would just keep on throwing things around and just feeling this feeling. But if we slow down and we allow ourselves to go, oh, I feel grief. Then we can go, I want to honor where I'm moving from and what I'm losing by moving, even though this is what I wanted. And as soon as we give ourselves that grace to allow ourselves that feeling that we have now named, our whole body can go, oh, and relax. I love that you were led to ask or to give that example, because then what popped into my head was thinking, okay, so someone's listening to this and they think, okay, great. It just means I need to be high vibe all the time. I need to be happy. I need to be joy. And what you're saying is it's no, like every emotion has its, and I think it's also moving away from, it's not, you mentioned it earlier with the color thing of like, it's not good or bad emotions. They're emotions like neutral and they have different frequencies or, you know, impact on our body, but they're not good or bad. They're just different. No, and their information. They just give us information. If we're feeling really angry, then it's always like, it's not bad to feel angry. I mean, it's, you want to act on it appropriately. That's the emotional containment piece. It's not bad to be angry, but then you want to go, okay, who barreled through a boundary I have set, right? Or do I need a better boundary and I don't have one? Or what action, what action am I moved to take because I feel disempowered. So anger gives you information to say boundaries, who barreled through, what boundary do I need or what action do I need to take? And it's just information. If we feel sad, right? Then we go, okay, am I grieving? You know, what's happening with my grief? Is there also some anger in here that I need to feel? If we're ever stuck in sadness, the, uh, the opposite point of that is anger. And so you're not doing the anger. You know, if you're in a breakup or a divorce or something like that, and you just can't get past the sadness, can't get past the sadness, go into the anger and balance that out. And then you'll be able to move through and vice versa. If you're just stuck in anger, we've all been there, right? You're just mm-hmm. so angry, then go into the sadness and that will allow you then to unstick the anger and move through. We need all of the emotions and you know, the shirts that are everywhere and the sayings that are everywhere. It's like good vibes, good vibes only good. Vibes. I'm like, no, no, it's all vibes. <laughs> it's Love that. all vibes because if we just go about our lives being happy, we're not getting any information about what to move forward, you know, toward or what to move away from. I love that framing it around emotions or information, because I think if more of us adopted that outlook around it or mindset, maybe we wouldn't be so quick to make judgments or associations. Like if I'm this, then it means that it's like, well, no, let's take it a step further. Like what, what other questions can we ask ourselves to go beneath the surface? Yes. And to apply that to relationships, let's say, cause I love doing relationship work and couples work. It's like, I just, I love it so much. But when we, when we have a big feeling, let's say we're in a relationship, a romantic relationship, we have a big feeling about something. It's really easy to make the other person wrong. We're going to, it's their fault. You know, he was late for dinner. And so I'm just, I'm angry. And now he's always late for dinner. And now, oh my God, here's the other 4,000 things he did wrong last week, right? It's kind of what we do instead of, well, I'll say this. Anytime we make how we feel about another person, we are off track every single time we're off track because if he's late for dinner and I'm mad and he continues to be late for dinner and I'm mad, 
then I'm not having appropriate boundaries because that's, I'm just showing him that it's okay. I'm just going to be mad. So maybe my boundaries are, is this a person who values my time? Maybe we don't do dinner anymore if it's a time thing. Maybe I change the time of dinner to make it where he can be on time, right? It's how do I work with a situation to hold myself accountable as well? Am I putting up with things that really I shouldn't put up with? Am I accepting too little in this dynamic? Um, we have to look at ourselves, you know, and I will say like abusive, I'm not talking like, oh, if you're, if you're abused, it's your fault. I'm not saying that at all, but it's that, it's that idea of, you know, we, if we're in an abusive dynamic, we have to sort of step into that point of like, okay, am I willing to get out of it? I'm willing to take self-responsibility. Abusive dynamics don't end because the other person suddenly changes. They end because the person who's being abused is finally pushed to their emotional breaking point of leaving. And being able to, to do those feelings of leaving and what that means. And so anytime we're, I mean, if we're just so pissed because he puts a wet towel on the bed, I don't know, right? I'm just making things up. And that is like our thing. Then we have to look at, okay, why is this making me mad? What is my boundary about it? Does he not need to have a towel anymore? <laughs> or, or, or is it just my thing and I can pick it up? I know he's going to leave it on there. So when he showers, I just pick it up because it bothers me, not him. So we have to really take accountability and that's going to make our relationships flow better too. So if people are finding themselves stuck whether it's in relationship, just they feel stuckness, like where do you go with someone that presents, like maybe it's just someone who's recognizes like they feel stuck in their job. They just, right, I feel like everybody is quick to blame it on the job, but like they feel stuck in all areas. It's their job and this isn't going right. Like where does your mind go? Like does stuckness come from a place or where do you go with that? Yeah. Well, it depends on the person too. Right. So I had a client recently I was telling you about earlier who was really stuck in her life and her stuck orientation came from her relationship. She didn't want to give it up based on security reasons, but it was, he was not invested anymore. It just wasn't going to work. And, and she wanted far more than he could offer anyway, emotionally speaking. And so once she decided to unhook from that relationship and looked at that, then her whole life can start to flow. She can start to be meeting people who meet those needs. Her emotional needs get met, right? There's more happiness coming in. There's all her new job was coming in. All this stuff started to flow. But I think when we look at being stuck, it depends on the person. So there was another person I talked to who was like, I just feel stuck. I feel stuck with everything. I feel stuck. And, and when I looked at her, I'm like, I looked at relationship. I looked at job. I looked at custody situation. And I was just like, it's everything. You don't like your life. And she was like, what? And I was like, you need a new life. You're unhappy because the life and the, your life and the way you're living it just isn't working for you. And so we have to be really real about what those parts are, right? And her spirit was recommending she just move. I don't know if she did or not or how she's feeling about that, but we have to really be honest when we feel stuck. Like, is it our, is it our geographic location? Is it our partnership? Is it our friendships? Is it our family and our family beliefs that we haven't worked through? Are we trying to live in a value system our family of origin created rather than being honest with ourselves? That can get you stuck really fast. Um, or are we living a life that just we're not meant to live? Do we detest our career? All of those things we have to take into account and it really depends on the individual. Do you feel like more people are like opening their eyes to this or what do you see? 
I mean, I do. I think it's interesting that, you know, we had in the 60s, we had the psychological revolution and the sexual revolution. And so then it became interesting and okay to talk about yourself, to explore yourself, right? And that was a big, pivotal, pivotal point. Um, in the 70s were more the focuses on like feminism and equality and fairness and a whole bunch of other things. And the 80s, you know, it's about materialism and what can we have, 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 greed, 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 you know, and then we're sort of in this point now where it's like, okay, what's, what is there more that meets the eye and people waking up to what really matters. I mean, it's interesting, the minimalism movement, you know, astrology has gotten huge right now. Energy work is on the cusp where it's coming more into the mainstream. Therapy is a very common thing these days. Like this idea of self-care, self-awareness, looking at who you are, being really true to yourself and authenticity, that's a big phrase of the past 10 years. That is where we are. So I think there are these movements, you know, in society that really get us to these places. So I 100% think people, I mean, you can just look at what's happening with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, with equal pay rights, with feminism, with um, the LBGTQ plus rights, like all of these things that are happening, of course, people are becoming more awakened. And, and it's not just like to one diverse, like diverse group or anything like that. It's really to humanity. How are we treating each other? Because that is in and of itself a spiritual thing. I hope you enjoyed this crash course on energy, energy work, energy healing. I know it's a bit of an intangible, kind of complicated concept. And I think Dana did a great job of just breaking it down real talk so that we can understand the impact on our physical and mental well-being when we have, you know, blocked energy in our body from past emotions, traumas, and you know, how we can release that. So in next week's episode, part two, I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper with Dana about her own wake up call, how she pivoted from her corporate career and got involved in energy work. I think it serves as a really great example and story of what can happen when we start tuning into our own inner knowing and trusting that it's leading us to where we're meant to go so that we can operate as our most authentic self. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I can't wait to connect with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Wake Up Call podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. It takes just a few minutes and does wonders for helping other people find the podcast. If you want to connect outside of the podcast, you can do so by following at Alicia D. Hopkins on Instagram. And if you really liked the episode you just listened to, do me a favor. Would you screenshot the episode and tag me? I would love to see what's resonating with you. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope today's episode helped you to see that you can wake up to the change that's possible in your life. 